a sheet as print is. Alright, give me a moment, I'll be right back. I'll just need a pick I just need I'm to put something in the I'm appreciating his printer hatred just kinda of to bring me back. Oh. Fucking hate printers. Yeah, well, my and then people added Wi-Fi to printers to just make them even dumber. Because uh, the Wi-Fi never works in them. Well <laughs> this semester is done. Hello everybody and welcome to Pixelcast episode 83. And yes, you are hearing a voice long forgotten. It is me, Matt Houston, and I'm back for the first cast I'm hosting for the year actually. It's been since October last year since I've hosted. And it seems fitting that I'm joined by the only two people who've been on more episodes than myself. Firstly, we have a man who loves the Pixelcast so much. It's his Twitter handle. Ken, how are you? Oh, I'm good. It, it, it'll take a... It'll take a lot to get rid of me, I reckon. Yeah, I think so. You're, you're in with the furniture. You know, you like that old lounge that everyone keeps no matter what happens. I, I like to think of myself as the, the really, really ratty, flowery rug. Yes. <laughs> On, like, this a really... They passed down from grandma, you know. <laughs> <laughs> very comfortable... Very part of the house. You couldn't imagine life without it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Something's right. definitely died on it. <laughs> it should be, uh, you know, if you ever need to, that's that's your new Tinder profile just there, Ken. <laughs> oh, God. Step on me. <laughs> All right. Let's lift the tone of this, shall we, and introduce the other person on the podcast with me, and it's uh, Tim, and he's joining us for this gaming gibberish as per usual. Yeah, I was having a very hard time staying quiet during that last <laughs> bit. I will say, um, good job catching yourself off saying it was the first one that you've hosted in a while. Yes, first hosted. I was on one episode this mm. year previously, but first one I've hosted because I'm only just now confident enough in my internet for it to handle the job and we're about to move home so it's already me somehow did they, did they in, install like new internet in your neighborhood because it was bad before like, uh, uh, Starlink uh, they've added more ah, satellites yeah nice. so, yeah I've got better coverage now it doesn't seem to drop out every you know 20 minutes or so um, so much better but anyway tonight we are talking about what is perhaps the strangest oddest and downright crazy studio sale and sub- subsequent purchase in recent gaming history. In fact, probably ever. Possibly ever is very strange. Possibly, it's, it's a very odd one. Uh, but first, we do have some games to talk about. Tim. Yeah. I hear you're back with Cloud and his big old sword. Yes, I am. And that sword is still huge. Still huge? Still, still. slightly impractical? I mean, it's a video game, man. <laughs> it's a video game. It looks cool. It does look cool. Press the button and it works. Um, no, yeah, I've... I think everybody's, like, knows, like, the year kind of, like, went blasting out of the gate and we got, like, a bajillion amazing games and it's, like, finally started to settle down now. Um, and I finally got my copy of Final Fantasy VII Remake back. Which I had actually given away to a friend as, like, just here's a bunch of PS4 games and they're cheap. And then Sony went and put that on PlayStation Plus. And I was, like... And around about the same time that I had kind of by chance been able to get a PS5 so it's like hey dude do you want me to like just give you a little bit of that money back and get Final Fantasy 7 because you have the PS4 version you don't have a PS5 
and then we both kind of win. And then we agreed on that. Yeah. And because of COVID, we did not see each other for at least half a year. <laughs> wow, so, this uh, is turning into a long story. Yep. Yeah, well, we get to Final Fantasy VII. Long yeah. story short, I probably should have been replaying the game this time last year. But I'm like, right. finally, finally getting around to um, the PS5 um, patch. I, it's a, it's a, probably more than a patch, really. It, it is actually quite um, spiffed up. Although, to a certain degree, like, it has that same thing where, like, there are some points in this game where it's just, like, fucking jaw-dropping to look at. Yeah. Like, going, wow, they, yep. they really, like, they've got the PS4, like, home, and now they've got the PS5 version. I mean, it's not a native PS5 game, but the resolution's higher. There are, like, some nice lighting or mist effects here and there. And then there are other points where it's just, like, you kind of see that maybe they started working on this in the PS3. And, like, that whole push-and-pull dynamic is just made even bigger when you're playing it in the more powerful hardware with like the higher resolution and I've actually- yeah, the, the last time you talked about this game um, you talked about how there are some areas which are just so low res polygraph like the textures are so low quality low res is that still an issue um, the textures all load in now yeah you don't so get pop in that's a that they get pop in, and they uh, all just like load in at all, like the infamous door of your apartment pretty early in the game, um, which you don't actually refer to, return to as much as you could. But it was such a weird thing in that, that original release. So in the second or third chapter, Cloud's kind of given a room that for a chapter or two he kind of stays in, and the texture on his door never loads. So it just looks like an N64 game, just at that door. And it strikes me as something that Square could have fixed really easily, and it was like just it was this massive in-your-face graphical error that everybody is going to see, and they never did. Um, but yeah, they did They did fix it for the, um, for the yeah, PS5 right. version, so like everything loads in. Um, there's probably stuff I'm not even noticing, because I'm just used to like everything loading super fast now, so there's no loading screen bullshit anywhere. Um, I mean, this was my favorite game of um, 2020, and I'm going to stand by that. It is still very controlled and guided, probably inevitably. Um, yeah, they, they fixed the door. I actually have a note just in my um, Google Docs saying they fixed the door. Um, but, man, like, playing it again and, like, having already done the learning curve, uh, I'm not sure if there are any perks, because, like, I actually went through the shit show of getting my save file, my completed save file onto the PS5, and then I couldn't seem to start from the save file anyway, so I just started a new game from scratch and I just still have the completed file there. So I don't... Mm. Maybe there, I could Google it, I guess. I just kind of got impatient out of playing. So maybe I'm missing out some new, play game, new game plus benefits, but I understand how the combat works better now. The combat system in this game is actually still super really good. Um, the main thing I've like taken to understand is that you kind of have to game its biggest flaw, which is that AI tends to just target you. And you'll normally have two yeah. or three characters at the same time. So you kind of want to jump between which character you're controlling just to move the AI's attention away. And that actually becomes a part of your strategy, which I think, once you understand it, is actually a benefit for the game. Kind of accidental, think Street Fighter accidentally inventing combos. Yeah. Where it's a way for you to actually kind of control where the focus is. And like, alright, I need that player to cast a healing spell. I need to not be them while I cast that spell. I'll go around. And also things like the um, weapons all have their own unique, like, ability um, attached to them. So, like, just fancy sword swipes or healing things or whatever. 
Um, and you use those enough times and then you like know them permanently so that once I did not understand that, I think for most of my first playthrough, it really helps once you do understand. It's like, oh no, just like, even if you've, even if you've got a better sword, use the old one until you've like learned everything you can from it and then upgrade. But no, the combat is great. Like it, they've they found a just like perfect balance of um, real time meets turn based strategy. The way it like slows down and like it's still moving, but it's like so slow when like choosing your options and um everything is just like spot on. It's actually really exhilarating. Um, main thing I'm just I just before we started this finished the um ghost train yard section, which anybody who has played the game or even read about it is probably aware of. Um, and that's, an, that's as the game is, it's effectively the first, if you're playing on a PlayStation 1, first four hours maybe of Final Fantasy VII, stretched over 30. And hugely fleshed out with like a whole bunch of stuff that was never there before, and it actually took my favorite scene out, which is kind of annoying. Um, but there are there are a few points where it's like, okay, this dungeon's just a little bit too long, this dungeon's just a little bit too long, this dungeon's just a little bit too long. I remember the ghost train section being one of those things that people complained about, but I actually really enjoyed it. But there is definitely second Marco Reactor mission I went through. It's like, yeah, they could have made that 20 minutes shorter. Yeah. And there's um, another part coming on. But, but, like, it doesn't do it too badly. Like, I can definitely see, all right, you want 30 minutes cut there, you want 30... There's probably about 90 minutes of this game. That it could have just been, like, just slimmed out a little bit. I mean, because it's also... It's still an RPG. There's still dungeons. You're still kind of running around. It's not like a bash-through, fast-paced action game. Yeah. But it... I still think it's, like, super... Like, actually, like, super impressive, super successful. Um, I do want to know what the hell is going on, on with part two. Maybe we're going to get to that later as well. As I was complaining last episode, it is nuts to me that they have announced a new Kingdom Hearts game. <laughs> Which, I mean, Kingdom Hearts was finished. <laughs> they didn't have to do that. And it's not like this is me with Shenmue again. Like, this is Final Fantasy VII. They will make a lot of money mm. with the next one. So it is nuts to me that, like, this is now, what, two years old and we have no... no idea what is going on with the next installment. I mean, it could be another 14, 15, 20 years before we get another one. It took that long to get this first one. You would, you would think, you though... Would, they'd have a roadmap like, You would think, yes. <laughs> they've got the tech now. Like, the, the engine, the tech's all built. All they've... Like, not all, but, you know, you would think all that stuff, technical stuff, is done now. They'd figured out how to approach this, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. And you think and they'd you, want to get it out before it starts to feel too dated again, as well. Yeah. Like, the longer and they take, the more they have to change. Yeah, yeah, and you probably want to keep that momentum going as well. You've reached a certain point. You've convert. You've gone through. You've got your art assets. You've got your. You know, everybody's pro, you know churning away at this. You want to get they onto don't the get next it out in Like the it. next year, like they can't reuse some of those art assets because it's going to look ancient by the time it like yeah. gets out. Like there, it's, right, there's still a window that. where everything is cross gen. But if they wait too long, they're going to have to rebuild a whole bunch of stuff, and that's going to delay everything again. Very odd. But the game itself is, like, it is a huge victory. Um, I still think it's um, really good. Um, I still recommend playing in Japanese, especially for Barrett. I accidentally set it to English and couldn't change it, like, part... part, Like, it wouldn't change in-game. I tried changing the voices to Japanese, and it just... I had to reboot the whole game. Um, In English, Barrett just sounds like an angry man. There's, like, a nuance Uh, to him in the Japanese where it's... Terrible. I I did the English voiceover, and, and Barrett, I immediately wanted to drown. 
I mean, he's like an overly righteous character in general, but the Japanese voice acting has this nuance of he's just so exhausted. Like, he's just seen this bullshit his entire life and he's just yeah. sick of it and he's tired. And even, and the, like, the thing is, even when he's around, it's like, you're kind of like, yeah, he's right, though. Like, even if he's being a pre oh, yeah. dick, he's absolutely right. He's hitting the nail on the head. Yeah. I, I've twice now started playing this and I played it once on the PS4 and then on the PS5 and on the PS5 I was enjoying it more I got to uh, dodgy town with the gambling and the the, the casino and um, oh man, that has my favourite sequence uh, it's, I the haven't got district, I'm assuming basically. yeah the red light district essentially so I've got up there and then I've just kind of fallen off again and that's I guess just through being busy with other stuff but it kind of feels like a challenge to go back there now and kind of pick it all up again. I mean, I think any RPG that doesn't follow the exact mechanics of, like, a lot of others, like, you'd have to learn. Yeah, I mean, I've I've done that with The, the Witcher a few times and have had to go on back in and, and relearn things, and um, I've just got to do that with this. Because I, I was enjoying it, and I, I really liked the combat in it, and... Which is more than I could say for like ninety percent of JRPGs. Yeah. I'm usually not a fan of the combat, um, but this combat was really cool. I change, really enjoyed it. The voice acting. Um, one thing I'm noticing yeah. again, I said before, like Tifa and Aerith in particular seem a lot more fleshed out as characters, mm. and they're like again, like developing this friendship that just never really happened in the original. But speaking of that red light district, it has what might be my favorite scene. Is so in the original, it's kind of famous. It had a you could argue uh, perhaps a little bit in drag. transphobic drag scene. Yeah. Um, the way they do it here, it's like this: just hold button, press your dance sequence. It's like not too hard, but challenging enough. And it is fa- It is just fabulous. You would use, <laughs> like, it is just fucking like, amazing. Like, they said, you know what? Let's just make this fun and just go all in. And it is so much better. Like, lay like girls fabulous, or yeah, maybe. Like, I'm, <laughs> maybe. I'm, I said fabulous, not fantastic, for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do want to go back and finish it at some point. Uh, probably a good time now. I mean, we're in a bit so of a it's pretty yeah, quiet. dry spell. Yeah. That's my plan. And yeah, I mean, it's a pretty considerable upgrade. Mm. All right then. Uh, Final Fantasy VII is over. Ken is leaping into a oddly named title: Hypercharged, Hypercharge Unboxed. I have to read it. It, it sounds like a YouTube video. It does. It sounds like it's a really annoying a, YouTube channel. It's it's such a generic name. It gives you no sense whatsoever what the game is about. But if you enjoy Toy Story, if you enjoy um was it early night late 90s early 2000s game called Army Men? Yeah, um, I think it was PS1 era. So I think it started been, on yeah. the 3DO and like went through to the Dreamcast PS2. Yeah. Or the the again late nineties movie. Is there some obsession about soldiers? Toys? Something. Toy, toy, I know the movie you're talking so, uh, about. Toy soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. Toy and uh, to- Tommy Lee Jones was the voice of the the soldier. Or one yeah. of. If you if you if you like that kind of idea of to- of toys coming to life, uh, you're gonna want to give this game a, a game a bit of a a look. Um. And like I said, the name itself gives you gives away nothing. Um, it's a PVE shooter, a PVE shooter, a one to four players, and it's kind of like um, turret defense, like 
waves and waves of enemies come at you and you've got to spend um, resources building up your defenses and then you've got a build phase in which you set up your towers and defenses and then you've got an action phase in which you're shooting at stuff. But the whole, the entire conceit is that you're a tiny toy and everything are toys and you're trying to defend these like um toy looking like gumball dispensers which have which you can plug batteries into to power up and during your build phase you build like plastic looking um barbed wire obstacles or a toy gun turret that looks exactly like the most 80s toy gun turret there is like with a pew pew laser on the top um and then during the action phase you're running around you're jumping up and down shelves you're going under cars uh there's a demo that's currently available on steam um it looks great it plays fairly interestingly um if you're it sounds a bit like um orcs must die in that kind of set up yeah 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 Yeah. almost yeah yeah it it is um because you said um army men before and i was also thinking toy commander and dreamcast but i'm like nope 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 no but you know it's it's just got a lot of charm to it like literally um there's i played the demo um a, a few days ago and it's set in a garage, and there's a there's a car. There's an SUV just in a garage, and you have to jump up on the car, onto the workbench, and and onto the bicycle that's hanging off the rack on the side of the wall, and onto the workshelves <laughs> to pick up various bits and pieces. And there's tools just sort of hanging off the off the off the workbench, and the enemies that's coming to attack you is like a it's just bouncing rubber balls, um, a literal Beyblade. <laughs> now, Beyblade's just spitting everywhere. Uh, yeah, I did see those in the screenshots. Like, is that, like, licensed? <laughs> I, probably there, not. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Beyblades. Beyblades. Yeah. Yep. Yep. $2 store Beyblades. <laughs> and, you know, during the build phase, you're running around, you're picking up upgrades to your weapons, your, your, your basic blaster becomes a grenade launcher, becomes a shotgun... Um, that you can then attach like scopes and things to, and then you're picking up resources to build your defenses. It's it's all very very charming, and they do the sense of scale right. I think there's this one thing that they hit on more than anything else. I think there's there's some issues with balance. You know, I played by myself. You know, I can you know obviously it's meant to be a multiplayer cooperative like game. Your guess. Yeah, if you've got multiple players, it's probably be a lot more fun. Um, they probably ramp up the ramp up damage. There's literally green army men that will be like charging towards your base, and then you have to shoot these little plastic army men. It's just they get the sense of scale and whimsy, just 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 perfect. Uh, the scale, it's just amazing. Um, because you know, I I, I like playing. You know, you know me. I like to play mech games. Yep. But one of the biggest challenges of mech games is making you feel big. Like, how do you make you, the player, feel big and weighty in this sort of world that feel, that should feel real? 
Mm. Um, conversely, on the other hand, like if you're playing a game like this, you want to be able to feel like you are small, but everything else is scaled correctly in relation to yourself. And so far, they hit that scale really, really well. So it doesn't look, it looks like a proper garage. It looks like a human sized garage. Like if I were a human, I would think that this is a normal space. But, huh. but you've been shrunk down. So it's not like one of those weird FPS things where somebody's bedroom just like, is just ridiculously big because they try to make way for you, the player character, to be able to move around and, you know, like... Yeah, yeah. Or, Everybody lives yeah. in a mansion. Everybody lives in a mansion because that, there, there, there is that conceit. You have to give you the space to move around in. Um, but here they do that sense of scale really well. Um, it feels like you are a tiny, tiny person in a regular sized room and that i think is 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 a really hard thing to nail um the shooting is fine it's it's pve um i've there's only one map in the demo i think uh there's obviously uh there's unlockable skins and things and there are already like so many homages to mid 80s early 90s cartoons like there are things that look suspiciously close to marvel toys and um uh, of that era like is um, this 80s cartoon just kind of your whole thing at the moment ken maybe because i did talk about myth force in the yeah. last episode <laughs> which yeah. i've been playing too which is quite cool right <laughs> oh have you yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. it's been oh, fun good because I was do I was I got that game and I was gonna do a video of it soon as well. Cool. Um, um but eighties it's got it's got that it's not just eighties, I think it's got that sort of actually nineties vibe to it. It's really got that toy story vibe to it. Yeah. Um late nineties, early thousands, like almost the 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 map that I'm in, the garage, almost looks like the stereotypical Americana um, feel to it. Um, it looks too messy to, to, to be Toy Story to me. Uh, if you imagine the, the scene in Toy Story 2 where they're all walking through the toy shop, it's, a very it's very much that. But okay. Yeah. It, you know, Bobby's driving around in a car and there's Ken in his in his box or something like one of those ones and they see multiple copies of Buzz Lightyear up on the wall like that particular scene they they nailed that that aesthetic really well so yeah it's been it's been it's been interesting it's been fun um I've only played very very little of it like I said just the, the demo only has only got the one map on it I've given it a, a few hours I'll probably go back to it and make a video for for the channel um, as soon as I can get off my ass and actually do something productive huh maybe you can <laughs> rope you so into play it with you oh maybe it sounds like a bit of fun if I can get my internet working for long enough speaking of which yeah I've been playing. Uh, a battle royale, um, which is something I never, you know, really took much shine to. Uh, mm. And this one, 
attract to me because it was set in the Vampire Masquerade universe. Uh, yeah, so it's Vampire like- Masquerade uh, Blood Hunt is the game. Uh, it is a free-to-play Battle Royale. I saw it. It looked interesting. PR reached out and said, hey, do you want a Battle Pass to try it out? And I went, sure. Why not? Uh, so I've grabbed it, and I've actually been really enjoying it. It it does just enough to the traditional Battle Royale formula to make it feel like it belongs in this universe. Um, for, the, for those that don't know... Uh, the Vampire Masquerade universe is set around these kind of secret families of vampires living in the shadows, kind of manipulating things, and they follow what's called the Masquerade, which is them just essentially hiding from humans and, and manipulating things from the background. Uh, very good RPG game from the early 2000s, nineties, late nineties, yeah, around then, and then the sequel has been. Unfortunately, he's stuck in development hell a bit. Uh, so this Battle Royale kind of intrigued me that way. How How is a vampire going to work in this world? Uh, so the differences between, say, something like Apex or Fortnite, uh, it's a 40-player map. Uh, it's, it's not quite as big as, as some other Battle Royales. It's a smaller map as a result. It's set in a very ye olde London sort of map industrial yeah, london very industrial gothic looking vibe and the yes, neon uh, signs for some reason yeah so it, it sets it you know that kind of almost gothic futuristic london that, that seems to come about with these sort of pieces Vampire of media things. set around vampires <laughs> and werewolves and you know so things like, like that the, it's their attempt at modern modern noir the way modern like, noir sort of thing yeah absolutely yeah. um so that that map the map itself uh, it's probably the weakest part I found of the game. It's a little bit boring. Uh, there's mm-hmm. there's not a lot of, uh, you know, a train yard here or there or, a, you know, a, a disco or something like that mixes things up. But apart from that, because you, you're a vampire, the way you actually play it, you spend a lot of time on the roof. Uh, and so height is really important. You can climb walls as a vampire. So getting up the, the to the roofs is, is really important, uh, sussing things out. And you have a. It's, it's it. I don't know why this is important. It's actually set in Prague. We're all just oh, there you go. London. Yeah. <laughs> kind of makes a bit more sense, right? Yeah. Well, Prague is effectively Gothic London. Yes. <laughs> We're making big generalizations here, people. It, I apologize. Big, big statements <laughs> that cannot be backed up in any way whatsoever, any form whatsoever. Um, now, I've got a question. Like, yeah. Like battle royale, you know, there's yeah. a particular formula: shrinking, shrinking circle. You know, the playable area becomes smaller and smaller. Um, games like uh, PUBG has a particular mm. formula where everything is, you know, you build yourself up through yep. the game. You know, weapons, equipment, that sort of thing. Whereas something on the Apex side, abilities, um, and each character has. I guess a bit more character. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, yeah, like I said, so PUBG, here, right, they're it's, very blank. It's probably halfway between the two, to be honest. Um, there is uh, three different classes. Um, each class has, uh, actually four, sorry, four different classes. Each class has two different special moves. Uh, one's usually a maneuvering ability and one's an attacking ability. 
so the maneuvering ability might be turn invisible. It might be a big leap, like a big giant leap sort of thing. Ones like this teleport where you can cast an image of yourself and then teleport to that location. And the other ones, uh, they actually turn into solid stone as long as they're not shooting. Um, so, you know, they're, they're protected. They can't shoot in that state, but they can kind of use it to kind of hightail out of there quickly. Obviously, it works on a timer, that sort of thing. And then there's attack abilities where there's like a force blast, uh, you know, there's a there's a shoulder charge, there's a big melee hit sort of thing, and there's a poison trap. Um, so that that's how they mix things up there. And there's also the way to build up your character, and this is where it gets kind of really interesting. Um, so it plays into the themes of being a vampire. There are actually humans walking around this map. All right. Um, and each human has different, so according to the story, different DNA, and that provides a different bonus to you. Uh, the, it might be slow health regeneration for, for eating this human. It might be an actual extra life. So unlike a lot of Boyder Royales, you get an extra life originally, but you can refill that extra life by Ooh. eating humans. Um, the catch is if another human sees you eating a human, the blood hunt is called and you're marked on the map. So everyone can see you. Um, Way. Yeah. So there's this kind of stealth with the PVE going on in amongst this battle reward. Yeah, and usually you can find one or two humans by themselves quite easily. But as the map shrinks, obviously things get more dense. And, and is it worth, uh, you know, snacking on this bloke walking past uh, in the hope that you get a, a, a an extra life or something? Or, you know, you get marked and everyone comes running at you. There's also another human faction that are vampire hunters, essentially. And they they have bases set around the map and they'll attack on site. Other humans won't recognize you're a vampire until you do something. Uh, whereas uh, these guys know you're vampires straight up and start shooting. Uh, so you can take them down and you get points for taking them down, but also creating a firefight sets off car alarms. It sets off shop alarms. You know, it makes a big noise and thus creating a big target on your back. So there's this real kind of interaction with the world that other battle royales don't seem to have as much. And I'm really digging that element of it. I really like it. It seems to just mix things up enough in my favor, adding those PVE elements that, that, that are that's keeping me hooked, you know? I'm going to have to ask, is this uh, just PC? Because the spec, the minimum specs here, I, I, I might scrape it. It's PS5. I not. Okay, it is PS5. Well. I, so, I'm playing on PS5. Yeah, the minimum um, graphics card is a GTX 970, so that's saying where this generation is starting to kick in, because that's yeah, your baseline yeah. now. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. It also has... Uh, in During in-between matches, there's this kind of mansion you can explore and learn about all the different weapons and things like that, but there's also mission uh, side quest givers in that mansion, and they say, hey, if you go to this point on the map... And pick this up and bring it back to me, or you'll get you know XP or fancy new hat or something, you know. But um, they add these little bits and pieces to you know kind of add more to the map than just surviving. Uh, gives you a bit of purpose and and a l- little bit extra do. to hunt for. Yeah, and it seems to work for me. The biggest problem at the moment is that it doesn't seem like it seems reasonably popular. Um, it could definitely do with some more players. Uh, and, that, you know, you, you're sort of talking 
a minute to a minute 20 for a match at the moment, which Ooh. isn't too bad. Like, I've seen a lot too worse. Bad. Is, is this in early access? Is this released? No, is it's it just been released. Out? Yeah, it's actually okay. out. So full release. It was in early access on PC. Um, and then it's just reached version 1.0 on PC and released at the same time on PlayStation. There is cross-play uh, between the two. Uh, and you can turn off keyboard and mouse players if you're playing yeah, on the console. It just needs to be essential yeah, or else it's just yeah. so it is third person, so that kind of uh, isn't isn't as pronounced as it is with a first person shooter. But you know, it's yeah, still a bit of an unfair advantage one, yeah. to yeah. Uh, in all, it seems pretty solid. Like obviously, this lives and dies I, on it on its battle pass sort of thing. But yeah, I'm curious as to how do the clans come into it. Um, so that's the different classes. Uh, that you pick from. Right, okay. Yeah. Right, um, okay. So each of the different classes is from a different clan. Okay. And they've got their vi- distinct visual look that that clan has. Like, you've got that Nosferatu clan that looks like they're rotting and classic yes. pointy ears and sort of thing. And then you've got the business deal. I forget all their names. It's been that long since I played it. But, you know, they've got the, the, the business suit guys and then you've got the kind of streetish looking gang. And, yeah, yeah. Well, and, in, 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 in news that will surprise no one, I spent the better part of my late teenage years role-playing Vampire the Masquerade, sitting outside a comic book shop on Saturday afternoons for multiple years playing Vampire the Masquerade, right? So yeah. I'm like, okay, I, I need to know where are where the, the Ventrue, where's Camrilla, where are the Torridors, where's Gangrel, where's Bruja? <laughs> no, I think, I think Bruja... I'm trying to remember the names of everyone. Like I said, it's been a long time since I, I've only played the, the PC the game. The Malkavians, the Nosferatu, the Ravnos, like yeah, so, all of these, like I, this is, and, and when you were talking about like snacking on humans, I'm like, oh, that's, that's breaking the masquerade. You yeah. shouldn't be, be doing that. You shouldn't be doing it. And that's why the blood hunt gets called on you if you get caught doing it. Um, that's the story, you know reason yeah. for this this mechanic and i think you'll get a massive kick of just walking around the mansion because there seems to be a lot of law and uh you know kind of uh you know bits and pieces for people like yourself that know the property quite well yeah yeah so i'm like Ooh. well it's free to play it is can't hurt to download it yeah and uh it but seems it pretty, if you've got pretty generous hard drive to deal with well yeah yeah Whole half i guess of- the other thing I think the other thing, like you said, about the map, um, because we, I think you and I played a little bit of the other Battle Royale from Ubisoft that got Oh, yeah, Battlescape, yeah. No, Hyperscape or something Yeah, Hyperscape or Battlescape. Yeah, one of them. One of those, like, generic names, but they were trying to do urban environments, and it was really boring. Yeah. Whereas, like... like This is better because the environment interacts with you. Um, There are car alarms. There, You you can go into shops. Like, for example, uh, there's chemists um, and they often have, you know, blood supplies to heal you. I guess, is it visually distinct enough that you can recognize bits of the map? I, I, I think so. I don't know that I've played enough yet 
to say for sure. Yeah, because um, another thing about Battle Royale yeah. games is very much about map. Because you're playing the map over and over again, it's very much about learning. The, learning the bits and corners. Learning and, the bits yeah. of every single map. And a, play a game like Apex or PUBG or Fortnite, because they are, quote-unquote, fantasy, they can make their maps as ridiculous as, as they, they want. Yeah. And, and they make it visually distinct. Each sort of area and sub-area is visually distinct, right? But if you're trying to create a semi-authentic city... Mm then at some it, point it feels like there are certain absolutely certain points in the map that are becoming you know popular haunts already mm-hmm. um there's a cathedral in kind of center left of the map with a, a spire that's you know a sniper's dream but also everyone knows it's a sniper's dream so there's kind of that up there uh mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, a park in the center of town you know there's a disco that's quite large and a really good place to ambush and get loot. So I'm, I'm recognizing those points in it. Like I said, visually, it's all very, I guess, the palette of everything. It's not very colorful. It's, mm. it's that kind of gothic sort of look. Mm. Uh, but I think there's enough distinctness in the map. Obviously, mm. that'll come with time, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I think at this stage, it seems that way. I, ju- I just think it probably, it could have done with a little more in the way of visual panache i guess otherwise it, it just gets a bit gray at times Put more neon yeah. signs in there <laughs> more neon more neon more pink neon but anyway uh that's uh blood hunt uh it's pretty good so far i'll be reviewing it for player two once i've played it some more but uh in the meantime it's free to play so it doesn't hurt to check out yep we're gonna have a break now uh get a beverage go to the loo and then we'll be back uh, and to talk about some really odd business dealings in the world of games. Yeah. In an era of increased consolidation in the video game industry, we were just recently struck by one of the oddest deals we've ever seen. That deal is Square Enix selling Crystal Dynamics, Eidos Montreal and Square Montreal to the Embracer Group, along with such prestigious IP as Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, Thief and the Legacy of Kane. But the really crazy part of it all is the price these illustrious devs and IP went for. Tim, yeah. 300 million. That seems almost insulting, right? I mean, Sony bought Bungie alone for a billion. Hmm. Yeah, like... Like... And... Yeah. (laughs) As soon as I heard it, I thought, you know, you've got big name IP, you've got consistently good developers that 
when they haven't been interfered with by Square Enix, seem to pump out great games. <laughs> and, like, 300 million? It seems like pocket change in this, this it, world. I mean, that's not just face. 300 million is yeah. a lot of money. But considering it's like it is a case of like what's for sale here, and it's just kind of I I don't know how like if this is just because we're so like plugged in. So Tomb Raider has a lot of history. Did not actually care mm-hmm. for the early games, but I think they did a really good job rebooting it. Absolutely, Deus Ex is fucking Deus Ex, man! Like, come on, like <laughs> like that is consistently in like the top ten games of all time. The original Deus Ex. I mean, obviously, um, you're not making a whole lot of money off that anymore. It's on sale for no, like two bucks all the time, but... That's a lot of prestige <laughs> to yeah, hand I, off. Like, and the, they want, it's not like they were doing a bad job with those new ones either. Like, they they never quite reached the same height, but the fact that they got to be seen Close. as, like, at least more or less worthy is a pretty big deal. Yeah. In and of itself, it, I feel like just... It's a shame that Steve was not on this episode because it feels like every time he's on, he always makes a joke that if a Western game is developed by Square Enix, it's always considered a disappointment. Yeah, and that seems to be the running joke, right? Like, I looked this up beforehand. Tomb Raider, the the rebooted trilogy, um, so Tomb Raider Rise and Shadow, sold 39 million copies. That's a lot. That's a lot of games. <laughs> like, that's not small numbers. And sure, some of them have been cheaper on sale and that, but... Even if you sell like, those at 10 bucks each, that's a lot. Yeah, it's it's hard to see that as a failure, but Square Enix did. Uh, Deus Ex Mankind Divided, Deus Ex Human Revolution were both in a similar situation. Uh, together, they sold 22 million copies, but were failures in the eyes of... Square Enix. Um, their most recent game, Guardians of the Galaxy. Universally praised. And it is a very fun game. Like, it is a great game and it totally surprised me. It sold quite well. It got a... Uh, I didn't know the... Ac- I should have checked the actual numbers, but it's still selling now. It's still fairly new. Um, it didn't seem like bad numbers to me when I got the first report. And then add the Game Pass deal into that. And I don't think it was struggling, but... I mean, yeah, it, was a it was never at the top of the Christmas talk, but like that feels no. like a marketing failure rather than anything else. It's like if I- absolutely, yeah. So, Ken, what's Square Enix doing? He he doesn't know. No, I don't know. But I mean, <laughs> there are a few questions in my head. I mean, what three hundred million is very low, but yeah. for somebody who likes Square Enix who is clear who has made it clear on multiple occasions that they do not want these developers. Like mm. I think it's 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 been fairly clear that they've been routinely disappointed by whatever numbers are done by games from these developers. Like regardless of whether they like when Tomb Raider was released, like the 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 the, the projections that Square Enix expected was just unfathomably oh yeah, it was like sixty million copies or something unreasonably high. Yeah. That's Mario and Kart numbers. That's kind of like, yeah. That's, they, they base everything on Final Fantasy. Yeah, it's it's unreasonably high. Mm. Um, 
and they've been very clear that they've been unhappy with those numbers. So 300 million, like for them, might feel like, for, for us, we'll be like, that's such a low ball number. But it, it feels to me like if they were able to just like, whatever, I'll let you have it for a dollar. <laughs> like, <laughs> they'd still let it go. I mean, yeah. and if nothing else, it's better that they got sold regardless mm. of the number than, than getting shuttered. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, it, it just constantly felt like um, Crystal Dynamics, IDOS, just constantly felt like they were on the chopping block. They were one game away from a chopping block. Getting they close. Were, yeah. Yep. And so that's... Uh, it's, so I don't know where this perspective this disdain that they have come from? Like, where does it stem from? Is is it simply a West versus East thing? Like, Square Enix is traditionally Japanese, and very much so. Is it that the problem? Is that a Japanese hangover? I, I mean, you, you'd know more than, than me, but... I, I don't know. I mean, I, Sega I, I almost was... internally imploded because of this. Because of the, the East, East versus, versus West. West and not, like, listening to each other enough or... Mm. Yeah, but that was a very different time and a very different era where where you have, like, different arms of the business just effectively working as their own monolith that occasionally re- reported to each other. But, like, Sega America for, for a long time was, like, effectively a different company from Sega Japan. Yeah. Um, they might have the same, like, CEO at the end, but they were effectively run as multiple businesses, like, separate, separate, separate spin-offs. This is not that situation. This is Western developers attached to a, attached to a publisher, and that publisher, have having made on made clear on multiple occasions that they don't hold the games from those developers in any regard, which astounds me because they've been like generally they've been of high high quality. You know, I mean everything is from the output has been solid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. B plus solid, B plus to A to A is like if you got those grades at high school, you would not be mad. No, you would not. Well, unless you had the right Chinese mum, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, but, but you get me. Like if you're yeah, if yeah. you're pulling if you're pulling B's and A's, like you're you're, you're happy a lad. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, it is. A, a, it's a rather odd situation, and I think the big question that some people have is why didn't Sony or Microsoft buy yeah. them? And it seems logical that Microsoft, especially, would leap at Tomb Raider. But the thing is with it, um, and doing a little bit of research, is because both Sony and uh, Microsoft are going through FDA, I think they call it FDA. What, they're they're know, both whatever. being taken to court in New York or somewhere. Or they're they're both being investigated by the Fair Trade Commission in America, whatever the Fair Trade Commission is in America. They're both being investigated. Sony over the bungee purchase. Uh, Microsoft over the Activision purchase, which means while they're under investigation, and it may be that there's just they're just making sure these investigators are making sure that they've dotted all the I's, they're not creating monopolies, that sort of thing. 
But while that's going on, Microsoft and Sony are not allowed to enter into any more purchasing agreements. Uh, so their hands are essentially tied. So it makes me think if Square Enix had have held out, but Square would have months. had to have known this. They could have, like, they had to know that both of console. I mean, I'm kind of glad that it didn't go that way because I don't want either of yeah. these becoming tied to a, to a, a brand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it seems to me like the timing for Square Enix has probably shortchanged them. I just feel like the vision in Square Enix at the moment, and like, it's been, it's been too long ago, I can't remember, but I will say that there are some people that I can't remember exactly who were who probably worked at Square, who told me that they couldn't say certain things about certain things that were happening at Square. And mm. maybe they weren't happy there. Like, I literally cannot remember it off clearly, but I like just this chain of memories of these things suggests that I don't think there's a whole a lot of listening to other people, and that's probably a big part of the problem, especially once you get from the Tokyo head office, so maybe they've got somewhere off, I don't know, if we work or whatever, there's probably a chain broken there. And then you go yep. to another freaking country, and it's probably going to get worse. Because um, I, I looked this up, and like, so Final Fantasy VII sold, I guess not including reissues, like just over 13 million copies. If, so if they're holding it against Final Fantasy, and that is the Final Fantasy. Yeah, yeah. They're actually, Tomb Raider games are holding their own. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if the three Tomb Raider guys so 39 million, and Shadow was significantly underperformed the other two, you'd have to assume one and two. Sold at least 13. Yep. You know, like, or one of them did at least. Like, I'd, I'd say it, the first one did with ease. I guess, like, the main difference... I, I, obviously, Final Fantasy VII's budget would have been way lower at the time, but, I mean, if that's the best-selling Final Fantasy, which is what Wikipedia, at least, is saying... And the other yeah. thing, I guess, is, like, they're, they're selling it for this, and they're going to spend it all on NFTs. <laughs> so... This is why I want to call this topic <laughs> What the Fuck Square Enix. Yeah. The, the, their official statement said uh, AI technologies, cloud technologies, and the blockchain. So, look, AI and cloud are both technologies that deserve investment. I, I, I feel like there is a lot of potential in the future of gaming uh, with both AI investment and cloud investment. Blockchain, however, which means NFTs, which crypto bullshit. Scamming. may somewhere down the line be a... Like, blockchain technology is a tech that seems to have something going... Like, it is a thing, but it's what everything it's being used for is basically just a Ponzi scheme. Exactly. And yeah. Square One In, despite 99% of gamers on the planet yelling at every developer that does it, you're, you're a fucking idiot. And also... Uh, and also <laughs> um, the, the NFT... I mean, if we're talking about NFTs specifically, that market has just... Crashed. Yeah, bottom has just come so out. that happened the day after this came out. Though so they announced a ninety-three percent drop in the NFT market the day after Square announced that's where this three hundred million is going. Surely someone's head's got to roll, right? Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> you know what? Like, like. You get like, high enough so and you're any- just free of accountability, though? Like, this is. I was going to say, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chances are somebody's head is going to roll upwards. Yeah. <laughs> They'll get a promotion over Into, it. like, executive vice president, something. Like, there reaches a point in corporations where yep. you can only fail upwards. Yeah. 
Yeah, it costs them too much to get rid of you. Yeah. <laughs> so they give you a different job. <laughs> You keep promoting them until they until they're out of the way, like yeah, until they can't make any decisions that affect anyone. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I it, read something very. I mean, this is not this is not a discussion about blockchain, NFTs, all of that mm. stuff, crypto. But there was a piece that went up on VentureBeat, I think, less than a week ago, where Rami Ismail um, debated somebody else who was on the pro blockchain yeah. side of things as a game the both both as game developers both talking about the pros and cons of, of blockchain and like yeah like you said Tim like the, the, the technology that is there exists it is a thing um it, it's um a distributed database effectively like that's what it is it's a distributed database with no central point of authority, it's 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 a decentralized database, um, and you can use that database in whatever way that you want to. Like people make use of databases all the time. I think Rami made the point that there isn't a specific problem or issue or challenge that this particular technology solves. Solves that is not already solved by other existing technologies that are less damaging to our environment. The thing, yeah. Yeah, all of that stuff. So, like, even if they make it environmentally friendly, it just—it's basic. It's, even it's, if they it comes make it, back yeah. to Ponzi, like you're just trying to get more people in, so you can like it's just about making a profit. Yeah, yeah. At- no, well, again, like, so this this is my question, like, for Square Enix, like, ultimately, blockchain is a decentralized database um um you can make use of that in any whichever way you want to but there isn't a specific problem that exists that requires you to do that um like people have been in utilizing it in a way that is that damaging to the planet and it's also you know scammy in more instances than one but what I guess ultimately my question is to 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 Square Enix or and even Ubisoft who you know tried to dabble in that for a little while and just back the hell out you know they actually felt the hot plate and then <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 but it's like you invest in cloud technology because there is a problem that exists with infrastructure there's a problem that exists with with the way information is sent over therefore cloud technology makes sense yeah um there is a AI is something that is constantly there. You know, you can use make use of AI to to try and streamline your development process. You know, there's there's all sorts of applications to AI. Like, what is the problem that you're trying to solve, and therefore require blockchain application of blockchain, a decentralized mm. database? Like, that's the bit. I'm like, I, is this purely a grab um, at something that is hot at the moment because if it is then I'm, you missed it by about six months you, you I'm missed pretty it sure by about, it is yeah the boat has sailed so what it, it just the, feels like you know the chance to sell everyone a cloud hairdo jpeg yeah and, it's well you know. i guess you could have your own unique outfit for cloud in game theoretically but like who cares yeah. like I mean, some people might care or like, just sell that shit on the Xbox Live Marketplace or the PlayStation Marketplace like they've been doing for years. Like, I have no problems with that sort of DLC. That's 
fine. Cosmetic, if you want to buy it, co- spend five bucks on a different hat. Go nuts. It's your call. That's your yeah. responsibility. You're happy and, with your spending. But, and people yeah. have tried to do that type of like buy sell already. I mean, yeah. Diablo Three's marketplace was was yeah, that was held a thing. Up as yeah, the, I think the only successful ones probably the the hat. Uh, dealio with it. Team Fortress yeah Team Fortress um, it's about the only one that's done it right well done it successfully I won't say right but I will yeah. say successfully but even then that's not predicated on those items being unique it's just that no. you, 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 you can mm-hmm. if you want a particular thing which mm-hmm. a few people have it's unique in that there is there are limited it's rare you know the chance of you finding it is going to be tricky you know, th- there is some level of scarcity. Scarcity. Yes. I mean, that's a whole other discussion. You know, like I said, we're not going down the whole blockchain NFT discussion. Um, mm-hmm. But my question, I guess, like I'm trying to figure out with with Square Enix is like, what is your end game here? What are you trying to? What are you trying to achieve? What are you trying to solve? What is this challenge that you're trying to solve with your NFT? And- I don't think there is a challenge. I think they thought they could make more than $300 million in NFTs. I think that's the sole Man. thing behind this. I, I, I honestly <laughs> feel like that's their end game. They feel like they can put $300 million into this I mean, that NFTs is the and walk out with six. You end know, end game for this yeah. technology in general. Because like you keep on hearing this whole, like, Oh, it's just like when the internet first came up, just the older people, people didn't understand us. Like, I was young when the internet came up. Everybody, when the internet came up, immediately imagined Gmail and YouTube and Netflix. Yes. Like, people, absolutely. it just, we just had to wait until the technology got there. But it was like, oh man, I'm gonna, like, I didn't think Netflix was like, oh, one day I'm just gonna be able to choose when to watch what show on TV. You were still imagining Channel 7 or Channel 10 or freaking ABC or whatever. But. Yep. Everyone was like, I mean, yeah, I'm just going to watch TV shows when I feel like it on the internet. Like, that I was, was clicking. It took you like five I was minutes. Clicking, yeah, I was clicking videos on Real. Um. <laughs> Real Player, yes. Real Player, right? Like, yeah. here's a list of videos that you can click on, and it's like 30 second clip that I can watch immediately, right? And this was late night. Download, yeah. Downloading the uh, Phantom Menace trailer. I remember doing that, and it took like. Four hours to download yeah. just the you trailer. You had good internet, man. Yeah, <laughs> down like him. I think. I mean, ultimately, like, like, uh, I also have to. Wo- I also have to wonder. Like, we talked about it briefly, but they sold three hundred. They sold those those devs, those developers, three hundred million to Embracer. Mm-hmm. Like. Did they just take the first offer that came around? <laughs> like, that's what it feels like, right? Yeah, it feels like it's holy such a shit, weird fire sale. garbage sale because it's like you, yeah. you have something was was it's like you like dug up your like grandmother's like engagement ring and you didn't even check to see if it was real diamond. You just kind of like took it to the first pawnbroker and went okay. Yeah, yeah. you took it like, to that dodgy I- bloke on on telly that's selling in Vegas or yeah, wherever. It, it just sounds like yeah, it just sounds like a, a junkie just trying to. Yeah, get his fix. <laughs> get his fix. Or, or like the mother who fi- finds like all his son's old NES games under the bed and like sells the them garage sale for like twenty bucks, and it turns out like one of these there's only ten copies in existence, and she could have made enough to <laughs> yeah, pay off because, the mortgage. Like, like somebody like somebody like Embracer who has bought who has bought this at three hundred mm. million. Like, if I were Embracer, I would be like, Fuck, holy yeah, shit, drinks are on guys, me tonight. Like, <laughs> Do yeah. you think about 
the deal I just made because you have to remember, like the, the, uh, we talked about it a little bit briefly in, in, in the lead up to the show. Like yeah. Embracer was formerly known as THQ, THQ Nordic, and the so, only reason why they were THQ Nordic is because they bought THQ. So not not technically. So Embracer Group was started by a, a, a capitalist that has a focus. He liked video games. Essentially, he had money, liked video games. And since then, he started the Embracer Group, and they bought the remnants of THQ, changed the name originally to something else, and then changed it back to THQ Nordic. They bought Correct. Coach Media. They bought. They've started Prime Matter, which is their kind of in-house publishing no, for no. new IP. Um, but I, they're I, all still under Embracer. It always no, originally was Embracer. Yeah. But this is my this is my point. Like they. They, what they've done is literally bought the remnants of THQ mm. and then renamed, renamed yep, that remnant, THQ. remnant to THQ Nordic. They, they, they bought what was effectively a defunct brand mm. and brought it back. Right. And in here, they're not buying a defunct brand. They're buying, no, buying very, a very, very live. Active. Very, very lively, yep. very, very strong brands with with a strong following. They've like, got, like, low-key, one of the biggest profiles in gaming, Embracer yeah. Group. But it's like, you know, Tomb Raider is big. Mm-hmm. Like, Tomb Raider is it's big. It's not as big as like, it was in the sure, 90s, but it's still a big deal. Sure, it's not as big as it was in the 90s, but this is, like... A franchise which has at this point how many like six to seven games now like oh, three, at least three of the recent and then oh there were so many there'd be at least ten I reckon at right. least and, ten Tomb Raider like, games yeah and also three movies yeah like this is not just this is not just like a random throwaway name like no. Tomb Raider is not just a throwaway throwaway name Deus Ex maybe less. Are valuable only in that it's it's more of a caters to a more de- dedicated crowd. But that mm. dedicated crowd, if you make a decent Deus Ex game, is not going to wait for a sale. Correct. No, and, no. And, and again, like you're buying very active, very lively properties with strong name value. And, like, and what Embracer has done previously, uh, and they're clearly not afraid of it because of. They've bought over... They were up to 700 and something IP under their name. Mm. Like, it is ridiculous. But they've bought these IP that have kind of been mid to, to you know, B-plus tier. So Darksiders, mm. they own... Uh, Red um, Faction. They, Red Faction. Saints Row, they own mm. Saints Row now. Uh, they've got those sort of... That were kind of B-plus to, you know, occasionally an A, a gang would come out of them, but generally around that B sort of thing. Lots of those. But what they've done now is they've bought genuine AAA uh, to go with this very solid catalogue of well-loved games that they've already got. Uh, and again, they've gone like, AAA. Yeah, with those, with those B-plus Saints Row stuff, again, those are games with strong mm. followings. Like, yeah. they're not... Again, they're not dead brands. They're not just dead names. And, and and what they've got here for 300 mil, if I was the person that sealed that deal for Embracer, I'm like, oh my God. I would love to be in the meeting room. And like, if there's anybody, I mean, because I'd just be sitting there going, turn, turn the volume down. Like, don't let Square Enix yeah. buy it now. Don't let them realize how desperate we are to get this. Like, just 
like mute it. Fuck, you better buy this shit right now. <laughs> okay, how many ATMs do you have to go to? Yeah. You put Look, all that we'll deliver it in dollar coins. Just give it to us now. <laughs> They're selling us Apple stock as if it was the 1980s. Like, just freaking... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like and, and I'm also then wondering, like, did was there any bidding interest? On Square Enix, it's, like, surely it can't they would have, have been. Like, it's too cheap. Surely not. Like, you'd have to think EA or even Ubisoft would have been interested. I, th- I think Ubisoft probably not because they're a bit precarious themselves at the moment. But EA is still loaded. Like, whatever happens, they've got FIFA, and that means they've got money. Um, you know, so you've got EA, you've got we Microsoft and Sony, if they'd have waited, they would have been in the in the game. Right. Um, like surely like if you've 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 missed the NFT boat by six months, you can wait for another like six months. <laughs> the only thing I can think of um is that they wanted to get it out before because essentially Idos Montreal just finished uh uh, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Crystal Dynamics just literally started a new Tomb Raider game they just announced it that they're working on a new Tomb Raider and they've got a deal with Xbox to help Perfect Dark development so Crystal Dynamics have got that contract in place and that's going ahead as normal even with mm-hmm. this sale um, I have a feeling Square Enix wanted to get it out before they commit too much resources to a new projects Um and that and they never see a return for that, you know. So they didn't want to put money into Tomb Raider if they're not going to hold it in six months' time. They didn't want to put money into whatever Idos Montreal's new project is, uh, which obviously will be faster now. Sex, like, but- <laughs> I hope so because God, I need it finished to that story. Um, but yeah, you know, I I I, I have a fit. That's the only kind of logical sense of them rushing this sale. I can think of. My, they obviously thought the investment in new projects was going to be more than they'd make by holding off. I'm generalizing here, but um, as a general rule, the way things work in Japan, at least workplace and business-wise, is they are very reluctant to do anything that changes anything. And yep. but so it take you have it takes a while. Like it's a very gradual grinding process. But once they decide to do the change, they go all in. Just straight away. Just so it strikes me like somebody was pitching, let's do NFTs while they're hot. And maybe the same person, somebody else was like, we can get rid of this stuff to make the money work. And it took them way too long to go through all the discussions and come to the wrong conclusion. And by the time that happened, they were all in because that's how this generally works. <laughs> yeah. It's like you put your poker chips all on the table, like five hands after you had your royal flush. Like, I know. <laughs> yeah. You just gotta keep letting it ride. You know, your turn will come again. You know, the cards will come again. Don't worry. You just gotta, you just gotta hang in there. Like, oh my goodness, it's just. It, it's super odd, right? It, it's 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 astounding. It's diff- difficult to pass. It's yeah. Difficult to, to try and. And, and I can see, like, there seems to be a situation where Crystal Dynamics got blamed for Avengers, um, which was a failure. Don't get me wrong. Uh, that they Crystal even Dynamics want to make that game. <laughs> like, I, don't, 
I don't think they did. I, I, I have a very strong feeling they didn't want to make that game, but they were told to make or that game. Or at least not because... make the game the way they made it. Like, that game just yep. stunk of boardrooms saying, this is hot right now, this is hot right now, this yep. is hot right now. You put all that shit <clears> in the game. It felt like a lot of Fox movies before they sold out to Disney finally, you know, with board going, this is how it has to be, this is how it is. You know, we're, we're building by, you know, survey here. Uh, survey says you need this in it. Uh, survey says you need a live service or thing. You know, I'd, I'd love to see the Avengers game that Crystal Dynamics just made as a single player or even like a co-op experience, not as a live service title, you know. Um, I mean, if, if Crystal Dynamics made the Avengers like the way IDOS made Galactic Guardians. Yeah, absolutely. How good would that be? Like, I don't you know, care about these licenses at all, but I would have been happy enough to have a decent third-person action game. Yeah, um, or I mean, play play Guardians if you want a decent third person action game. Play Guardians. It is genuinely funny, genuinely good story, and the action's great. Yeah, and the dialogue's apparently supernatural, right, Ken? Yes, I've said it before. <laughs> I've said it before, like in 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 a very very long sort of diatribe about how great Guardians is. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's such a fun experience, but yeah, so. I guess to wrap it up, we'll have a, have a little bit more look in Embracer Group. Like I said, now they own THQ Nordic. They own Co- Kosh Media, which is fairly significant in its own, um, which includes Saints Row, Red Faction, uh, Destroy All Humans, plus a bunch of originals they've started doing. It owns Prime Matter, which is their own in-house development kind of publisher where they, they focus on kind of a, a bit more indie style things. Uh, and then they own Gearbox. So they own Borderlands. Um, now they own Crystal, they own IDOS Montreal and they own Square Montreal, which has generally been a support studio. Uh, they're probably in the top four in the world right now. But you just don't know about it because they operate under so many different names. Like, it, it feels like it's Sony, Microsoft, Tencent, and Embracer. Like, I don't know that there'd be anyone bigger. EA, maybe? Well, you know. Nintendo. But... Oh, Nintendo. Yeah, Nintendo t- tends Nintendo. to get a, Being Nintendo. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, as far as multi-publishers and developing studios and things like that, it feels like... They're right up there in, in the biggest this industry has to offer, and they've done it in in a way that recognises gamers, I guess, as nostalgic beasts that we are. They they recognise the value in existing IP. They don't shun single player. They they're happy yeah. with single player. You know, they they feel like there's value there. It almost feels like I want to cheer for these guys. Hey, if I get a good Deus Ex and Tomb Raider actual single-player game out of it, sure. I'll pull out the pom-poms. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the rumors are they're working on a new Red Faction. They've got the new Saints Row game, which is looking like a Saints Row game, which is 100% for me. Um, You know, I hope that comes out good. I really like Saints Row 3 and 4. (laughs) Yeah, from what I've seen of it, it's very much in that, that tone. So... Despite what the internet crazy said, because it didn't have Johnny Gat in it, you know. But anyway, uh, <laughs> have we got anything more to say on these guys? Like, it seems like they're, they've come out of nowhere to kind of 
But it's been quietly lurking. Yes, yeah, like just, for the last decade. They've they've seen a deal. They've gone, hey, Kingdom Zamalua, you kind of got a bit of a bum deal with your, your your owners. Here, let's help you out. We'll take you. You know, Red Faction will take you. Darksiders, you were good. You come over and join us sort of thing. And they've done it all on the quiet and put themselves in a really powerful position. Yeah. 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 All Kingdom, right, then. Kingdom Sorry. Lord deserves a second. Kingdoms of Amalor oh, absolutely deserves a second goal. I think so too. It, it was almost great. It, it was that game that that you, you think a second one would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. But we might leave it there. Um, it's been an odd purchase, and I'm still kind of scratching my head over it all, but. I guess we'll see how it plays out living under Embracer. Hey, if I had Hopefully... $300 million, I would have bought it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. If only I, to, I, like, I, flip to Sony or Microsoft later on. <laughs> just, you know, like one of those dodgy shows on the Lifestyle channel, you know. <laughs> we bought it, we put some new carpet in, and we sold it for double. Um, I, my sincere hope out of all this, though, is that Crystal and Idos get to do what they want to do, which it feels like they haven't for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like they've been running on the corporate line and I hopefully embrace it. says, you guys are talented. We know you can make good games. Go nuts. And and that's what I want to see the most and, and what they do. Whether it is, like obviously there's a new Tomb Raider game coming, but what I just, if they do JSX, I want it to be amazing. If they want to do Thief, you know, I want them to do it without corporate interference. If they do their own new thing, you know, I want them to do what they're passionate I want them about. To do that, and... I want them to do Deus Ex first because you've left it hanging, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I want Adam Jensen to meet JC Denton. That's what has to happen. But anyway, we might leave it there. Tim. Yeah. Where can the fine folks find you on the interwebs? Raving about random stuff at Pretend Beard on Twitter. I don't th- I'll probably have some stuff when the released out drought. Um, drops on player two again but for the moment i think i'm gonna be quiet for a couple of months so yeah just the twitters yeah just the twitters just the twitters, just the twitters. and ranting on and, the podcast unless, unless elon musk blows it up in which case i don't know visit me in japan yeah yeah come and say hi ken what about yourself you can find me at pixel hunt on the twitters that's the main place uh, in terms of the social media um i don't have anything out on the website recently um my last bat of um activity was during the uh steam next fest demo steam next demo fest whatever it was called and that was uh, about a month ago um, yeah well i imagine there'll before... be a whole bunch of demos for summer steam summer fest whatever jeff Keeley's thing is so uh, we yeah, might convince you to thing. come and do videos for that canadian e3 yeah canadian e3 <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm planning to do a few other things, a few more videos over the next little while as well. So I've got a few lined up. Um, well, I, I say lined up makes it sound as though they're they're done. They're no, ready. I, I, lined no, up to do ready. sometime. They're lined up for me to have a think about potentially about doing sometime at some point in the potential future. Uh, yeah. 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 Excellent. And you can find me at Huso81 or at Player2AU. I've got you know, a bunch of stuff up. Uh, I'll have a review of Blood Hunt soon. My most recent review is Trek to Yomi. 
which I quite enjoyed. It seems to have a fairly mixed response, which surprised me a bit, but I enjoyed it. Um, it's worth checking out, and it's on Game Pass, so if you've got Game Pass, give it a try. Uh, otherwise, head over to player2.net.au to check out all our general gibberish about video games. Gibberish. Uh, we have fun, uh, so join us for that fun. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Player 2 Pixelcast. We'll catch you next time. Uh, and I'm going to sure ask, join us. I'm gonna ask you, sir, to put his G smart glasses on because I really want to see what they look like on his face. No, I had to send them back. Oh. I had to send them back. They weren't keepers because uh, they're $900. Oh, wow. So- <laughs> Damn. <laughs>